Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. On today's program, we're going to be talking to Bill Federer about his book on socialism, the real history from Plato to the present, how the deep state capitalizes on crisis to control and consolidate control. That's going to be Bill Fetter in just a few minutes. But we want to give you an update. We want to thank those of you that have been making calls to the Primary and Secondary Education Committee in the Ohio House to save constitutional studies in the Ohio classroom. That's by stopping House Bill 73. All this information is on our website. If you go there, you're going to actually see the committee um, uh, hearings that were conducted last week. Uh, we actually presented opposing testimony. We had State Representative John Adams that you heard on this program, one of the original sponsors, actually, who testified against House Bill 73. And we still need you to make phone calls. Uh, that would be going to the website and clicking on the link, uh, contact the committee here. You'll see their phone numbers and emails. And please just send them a simple message uh, to uh, vote no on House Bill 73. And uh, that would basically limit and diminish the teaching of uh, the Constitution in American government, American history standards in the high school from the 8th through the 12th grade. We need your help on this one to save what is the founding of American Documents curriculum. It took us 10 years to get that through the legislature, and now for the last 10 years we've been safeguarding it from being eliminated from the classroom, and we need your help to do so. So make those calls today, and we would appreciate that very much. Also, you want to click on the Ohio Christian Alliance website for the additional information on the topic. So again, uh, just go to ohioca.org or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, also, listening to uh, Bill's um, uh, interview today on socialism, if you'd like an e-version of this book on socialism from Bill Fetter, just go to our website and click on the green, green link to join our email list this week, and we'll send you out a link of the e-book on socialism from Bill Fetter. And again, uh, this is going to be a great interview with Bill. We conducted it uh, a few months ago, and we hope that uh, you'll enjoy it. After that, we'll be listening to Larry Oboff, who was the original sponsor of the Founding American Documents curriculum, also talk about why this is no time to diminish uh, constitutional studies in the Ohio classroom. So again, uh, here's our good friend, Bill Fetter. Chris, great to be with you. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah, this book that you've written on socialism is really taking off. Tell us about the premise of the book. Right. So I go back to Plato, and he talks about democracy being the most charming form of government, and their chief characteristic of a democracy is tolerance. Everyone tolerates each other. Then they tolerate people that are a little bit off. Then they tolerate people that are a lot off. Till finally they're tolerating crooks and crime and fraud and broad daylight looting, and nobody does anything about it. And it begins to turn into chaos, and then they begin to say, can't someone come along and fix this mess. That's when some governor comes along and says, I can fix it. I just need some emergency powers. And this person, at first they're all smiles, but then they begin to uh, go after anybody that resists them. So finally they stand in the chariot of state holding the reins of power and they're revealed as the tyrant. 
So democracy without morals and virtue ends in chaos, out of which a tyrant usurps power. And this model has been seen over and over again. And so we can even look at in the Bible. Uh, Israel was a republic when they first came out of Egypt. Remember, before King Saul, they, they didn't have a king, except for one brief period. Gideon had an illegitimate son named Abimelech, and he goes to the town of Shechem, and he does race politics, identity politics. And he says, why should the sons of Gideon reign over you? I'm your flesh and your bone. And so his brethren went to the people and says, look, he is our brother. And so instead of, you know, uh, uniting together to fight some invading army, Abimelech sowed discord within Israel. And he goes to the temple of Balbarith and takes 70 pieces of silver to hire vain and worthless persons, rioters, like Antipha-type people, to go and commit violence and murder all his half-brothers of of the other sons of Gideon. And then Abimelech makes himself king, rules for three years, until somebody throws a millstone off a wall, hits him on the head. But it was this idea that the same way in Athens, when there is chaos, you have a a tyrant usurp power, and Abimelech's model was, let's create chaos and then seize power. And uh, then we can... Fast forward to uh, Athens a few you know, years later, what happened was uh, uh, Philip of Macedon. He was the father of Alexander the Great. And uh, he uh, went and captured the gold mines of Amphipolis and took gold and bribed some citizens of Athens to betray their own city. And they went the citizens of Athens would get together and say, we need to defend our city. These paid traders would stand up and say, wait a second, uh, let's not get carried away. I hear um, Philip's not such a bad guy, uh, that he's not lib- conquering cities, he's liberating them. And, and these people who are paid traders would gather around themselves useful idiots, people that actually believe their lies. And it's so confused Athens that when Philip marched up to the walls, they could not mount a unified defense, and someone throws open the doors, and Philip comes in and takes over. And so it's this idea that if someone on the outside, instead of just taking money from the temple of Balbarith to hire vain and worthless persons, uh, Philip of Macedon took gold and found some vain and worthless persons on the inside of Athens that he could buy, and create this disunity, this discord in Athens, so they couldn't mount a defense. So uh, we begin to see a pattern here. And um, anyway, uh, we can uh, fast forward to uh, Italy in the 1500s, and it was a bunch of city-states, Venice, Genoa, Naples, Florence, and they all had armies and fought. And Machiavelli thought if one prince could control all of Italy, it would stop the infighting. So he writes a book called The Prince, where he advocates the ends justifies the means. The end of one prince controlling all of Italy is such a good end that any means necessary to get there is justified. Lie, cheat, steal. So if a prince conquers a city, the people of the city would hate him. But if the prince pays criminals ahead of time, vain and worthless persons, looters, traitors, to uh, cause violence in the city, smash windows and set things on fire, the people would cry out for help. And the prince will come in and 
get rid of the very people he bribed, nobody would know the better for it, and everyone would praise the prince as a hero. So it's good marketing. You create the need and fill it. You go around the back of the house, set it on fire, and then you go around the front of the house and sell them a fire extinguisher. And they'll pay anything for it and even thank you for being there. So this is where you intentionally want to create discord. You intentionally want to create chaos. And then when the people panic, you can usurp power. So this is called Machiavellianism, where you create or capitalize on a crisis to consolidate control. And you have heard it more recently worded, you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. It's an opportunity to do those things that you think you could not do before. Uh, Rahm Emanuel's quote, and of course, Hillary Clinton copied him. She said, the chief of staff for President Obama uh, said, you know, never waste a good crisis. So you and I see a crisis, and our response is, how can we help people through it? They see a crisis, and their response is, how can we usurp power? Well, that's right. And your book talks about how how the deep state capitalizes on crisis to consolidate control. When we look at the crisis that has happened in America across the country, obviously with the George Floyd video was the spark that uh, these protests seemingly out of nowhere broke out in cities across America. But there are those who argue, even in the African-American community. I talked to a pastor friend of mine uh, John Coates in Columbus, and he said this so-called peaceful protest in Columbus was well organized ahead of time, and it was meant to be violent. He said, I went down there and saw it myself because I learned about it on the news. And don't you think a, an elected official of the NAACP of Ohio would have known about a uh, gathering for community policing discussion? No. He said this uh, riot that broke out on May 28th, a few days after the George Floyd video that happened in uh, Minnesota, uh, translates down to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, basically, he said, I saw pallets with bricks on them. I saw boards with nails. I saw frozen water bottles. He said, this wasn't spontaneous. He said, this was by design. And of course, downtown Columbus, Ohio, uh, uh, Bill, is still all boarded up. And I'm talking about the pristine buildings uh, and you couldn't even buy a sandwich. They called it a food desert for a while. We're not talking about a ghetto area, but it became a ghetto area after that uh, literally several thousand protesters started breaking out every window, rushing into buildings, uh, into condominium units, scaring the people. They actually had to dispatch SWAT teams. We had the county prosecutor on our program talking about the very serious programs. Uh, uh, I'm sc- sorry serious crimes that were committed, uh, people's uh, housing units, the protester says, we're going to set it on fire with you in it. This is the kind of alarming anarchism that took place in the streets right here in Ohio earlier this summer. And one has to ask, if this is the basis of the Marxist socialist uh, movement, where is this going if they use violence to as an end to means to get what they want? Right. Whatever they'll do to get in power, they'll be willing to do to stay in power. And um, so uh, I go through the French Revolution in the book and how they had all this crisis and uh, liberté, equalité, fraternité. Fraternité was their word for socialism, the fraternity, the group, the collective. And equality can be understood two ways. In America, it was equal treatment before the law. In France, it was everyone having an equal amount of stuff. And if the fraternité, the state, thinks you have too much stuff, it can use the power of the state to take away your stuff and kill you. Well, and they chopped off 40,000 heads in Paris and so forth. Um, But let's fast forward 
you have um, uh, Hitler. He's, it's in the 1920s, Germany was a republic, uh, a representative government. Uh, it was called the Weimar Republic. And Hitler started a political party called the National Socialist Workers' Party. That's what Nazi stands for, National Socialist Workers' Party. And he had a violent branch to it. It was sort of a BLM Antifa type branch. It was called the Brown Shirts. And they were nicknamed stormtroopers because they would storm into the meetings of Hitler's opponents and shout down the speakers, disrupt the meeting. The uh, brown we've shirts seen, would we've seen that. Arms. We've seen that over the last half decade in colleges and universities where conservative speakers and Christian speakers come to speak at the universities and they storm these meetings and shout at them and they shut them down and they're not even able to continue with their uh, program. We're seeing this today, Bill. Right. And so then these brown shirts would lock arms and block access to buildings and block streets. Could you imagine people locking arms and blocking streets? And then the brown shirts went into the cities and smashed windows, looted and set on fire over 7,000 Jewish stores on the night of broken glass, crystal knocked. And then their capital got set on fire. And in the confusion, Hitler seizes power and rounds up all of his political enemies and has them shot without a trial. And when the dust settles, Germany has transitioned from the people ruling themselves bottom-up to Hitler ruling top-down. And so the same idea of Machiavelli creating a crisis, uh, Abimelech hiring vain and worthless persons to create division and discord, uh, you know, Philip of Macedon hiring people to, to create discord inside of Athens and so this model is seen over and over again. But now after World War II, uh, Germany has to give up its former territories, and so does Britain, and so does France. And so they form brand new countries, uh, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Poland, Romania. These brand new countries have brand new leaders, and they're trying to climb out of the post-war you know, problems. And then the Soviet Union decides it doesn't just want communism running the Soviet Union. Of course, the Soviet Union stands for what? Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. That's what USSR stands for, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So the USSR sends KGB agents into these brand new countries, and they identify groups with grievances, whether it's racial or ethnic, Bosnian, Serbs, Croats, whether it's economic, whether it's religious, they really didn't care. Their goal was to identify groups and break them into victims and oppressors, haves and have-nots. And then they would organize protests, that they would escalate into riots, and then they would smash buildings, set things on fire. And then they would co-opt the media with bribes and threats to blame the leader of the country for all the problems. They would even release false polling data ahead of the election to show the popular leader as unpopular so that when they did their voter fraud and rigged election, nobody would argue with it. And then they had found weak links in the military. And when the country got panicky enough, they had someone in the military go in and uh, replace the leader, and they would install a Soviet puppet. And the dust would settle, the violence would stop temporarily, and then they realized they just gave up their free country, and now they're ruled under the thumb by a dictatorship uh, from the Soviet Union. We're talking and, with um, Bill Fetter. He is the author of Socialism, the real story from Plato to the present, how the deep state capitalizes on crisis to consolidate control. 
And uh, you can actually obtain the book and uh, follow Bill and all of his writings at AmericanMinute.com. That's AmericanMinute.com. Bill, as you're talking about these points in history, about socialism, about communism, and of course we know that it's left in its wake throughout history, a trail of uh, atrocity and of course a genocide. And so... The, you know, these young people that are glomming on to socialism and uh, a sense of fairness and uh, social justice right now, even in Christian churches, I might say. In fact, we've had calls into our office from young pastors who are concerned about the church movements that they're in, glomming on to these social justice movements in their church, and they're uh, distributing uh, uh, basically uh, black liberation theology, which is an anathema to the Christian orthodoxy, materials and booklets. This is happening right here, folks, in Northeast Ohio. This is happening in uh, Akron and Cleveland in uh, in Ohio. And uh, folks, our young people have been uh, indoctrinated uh, by these things. And so this book is really blowing the lid on it. And, Bill, what you're saying, it sounds like today's history. We're talking about voter fraud taking place. Uh, there's going to be legal battles for this presidential election. Uh, you know, we're seeing where the media and, and tech giants and uh, the radical uh, left is against the president and against the Christian right. And uh, we're seeing this happen and play out right now in front of our very eyes. And, of course, uh, for the first time, all police unions have supported President Trump for re-election uh, because they're the ones on the front lines of this anarchy, and uh, the prosecutors in these liberal cities won't even bring these people to justice who are committing terrible crimes. And so the uh, law enforcement, men and women in blue, are the ones who are actually facing the brunt and are between us and absolute anarchy and terror. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there's people not waking up to what's happening in this country. This book on socialism bill that you have written is really taking off, and you've taken your uh, his, history uh, experience and you've put it into this book, and it is really one for the times. Again, the book is Socialism, the Real History from Plato to the Present, How the Deep State Capitalizes on Crisis to Consolidate and Control. Uh, bill, just some other thoughts here about the book as you were talking, uh, coming out of the different uh, uh, time periods of Nazis and, of course, uh, the USSR and communism, and we've even seen in Venezuela and other places, everywhere socialism reigns, it brings despair and uh, it brings tyranny to people, and, and it's a terrible situation. Right. Uh, so, so just to um, address, uh, people say, well, the church, isn't it socialist? They all, you know, sold their property and they brought the money to the feet of who? Uh, the apostles. Oh, okay. So they voluntarily sold their property and they voluntarily brought their money to the church. And when the church helps people, it wants the people to get out of their rut so they can help the next person along. They did not have their land forcibly taken away, and they were forced to put their money at the feet of Pilate. So people want to say, oh, the, the early church. Yeah, it was voluntary, and it was through the church. It was not forcibly, and it was not through the government. They didn't sell their property, bring the money to the feet of Pilate. Uh, it was to the feet of the apostles. It's not the government. But God gives commands to five groups. individuals families, employer, employees, church, and government. Uh, there are commands for individuals to help take care of the poor. Uh, there's no command for the family to take care of the stranger, the poor. The commands for the family, your husbands love your wives, children submit to your parents. The commands for the employer, employees, do an honest day's work and don't hold back the wages. 
Uh, there are commands for the church to take care of the poor, and historically the church has and started orphanages and hospitals and medical clinics. There's no command for the government to take care of the poor. The command of the government's the shortest. Protect the innocent, punish the guilty. There's no command for the government to be involved in health care or education or anything. Just protect the innocent and punish the guilty. What's happened is the government has been usurping the church's role. And, and so, yeah, if you want to have the people being taken care of, have them be taken care of through the church, because then they develop a relationship, they get to hear the gospel and so forth, not through the government. Why? Because when people uh, are and any program administered by the government is administered by people who want to keep their jobs. And so their temptation is to administer it in a discretionary way where they funnel benefits to those who can vote them back in office and they want to take away benefits and tax and regulate those that challenge and want to reduce the size of government. And plus, whoever is the recipient uh, after a while of receiving free stuff, they end up having a low self-esteem and they had channeled that negative feeling toward the, the group that's making them feel negative. In other words, the very government that's giving them money, they end up hating. Isn't that interesting? But back to the uh, World War II ends, and then we have the, the KGB going into countries, and then Truman does nothing. Eisenhower is the next president, and he's faced with Britain. Um, it, Britain had no oil. In 1908, Britain formed the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. Uh, you know it better as BP. British Petroleum is really the Anglo-Iranian oil company. And so um, after World War II, Iran decides to side with the Soviet Union and nationalize their oil. And so Britain goes to Eisenhower saying, help. So Eisenhower approves the first CIA operation to overthrow a country's leader. It's called Operation Ajax. And the CIA operative on the ground is Kermit Roosevelt Jr., the grandson of Teddy Roosevelt. And what does he do? The same thing. He recruits uh, gangsters and mobsters. They organize riots and, the, and they you know, attack mosques and they co-opt the media to blame the leader of Iran, Mossadegh. And when the country gets panicky enough, they do a coup and install the Shah. And this is called the Cold War. And it was happening with the KGB and the CIA all around the world. The only difference this time around is it's happening on American soil. What is happening with the intentional stirring up and the rioting and the crises? It has all the fingerprints of being an orchestrated event. And we already know there's deep state people in the CIA and the Department of Justice that do not like the president. They've been trying for four years to get rid of them. Uh, the question is, have they been using their positions to help this thing along? Um, that's the, the, the question. But the, the book well, well, that right, I put right, together, We're running out of time, Bill. That, that's a great question and one in which Christians, we need to be praying. And right now, as this presidential election is still uh, undecided and uh, we're praying for God's direction for our country. Again, the book is Socialism. AmericanMinute.com is the website. America, AmericanMinute.com uh, is where you can get socialism, the real story, uh, the real history from Plato to the present, how the deep state capitalized on crisis to consolidate control. Bill Fetter, thank you so much. Bill, we're going to have you back on to talk about the great news of the D-Day Prayer Project. And, uh, of course, we're, we're rejoicing. We're going to be talking with that with... Uh, uh, Dave Barton, but uh, Bill, I'm going to have you back on for a special segment to talk about that. God bless you, my friend. Bless you. Thank you. Again, the, the website is AmericanMinute.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, 
this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the founding of American Documents curriculum that's currently in the Ohio schools from the 8th through the 12th grade. And uh, it basically is the curriculum for American government and American history standards in in Ohio schools. And this was a great achievement uh, legislatively. Uh, back in the 129th General Assembly in 2012. We're going to be talking to the chief sponsor of that bill in just a minute. Uh, And actually, he did some great work legislatively uh, to get that passed and signed into law. And, of course, it was Governor Kasich that signed it into law. Actually, it came with a state school board resolution supporting it. The Ohio Historical Association supported it. And even then, the Secretary of State, who was John Houston, launched a Founding Fathers Initiative to support and applaud the effort of what was known then as the founding of American Documents curriculum and still in practice, and that's what we're trying to safeguard in the Ohio schools. There's a bill currently, House Bill 73, which would seek to limit the testing and thereby compromise some of the curriculum, and we believe it would be a slippery slope uh, that would be in the wrong direction in the Ohio classroom. We're going to talk about that. Well, yesterday there was a hearing in the Primary and Secondary Education Committee, and citizens and teachers and interested parties came in from across the state. They actually submitted written testimony, and also they submitted um, 
uh, in-person testimony before the committee, some of them serving on local school boards, and a uh, state uh, school board member herself uh, submitted testimony, and the uh, former House sponsor, John Adams. He was a uh, House sponsor of the same legislation, came in, and uh, he testified as well. Uh, anyways, that's all available on our website. If you click on the link of the images, you'll go to the video. You can actually, it was over three hours of testimony. Think about that. The committee had lots of questions for the citizens that came in back and forth. And uh, also on there is my segment of the presentation, and you want to click on that as well. That will all be available on our website at Ohio Christian Alliance, or just uh, search, go to ohioca.org. Well, let's talk about the original bill sponsor, former Senator Larry Obaugh from the 22nd District. Uh, he is uh, actually termed out last year. He was Senate President in the 133rd General Assembly, and he served for several years as the state senator out of Medina uh, in our state uh, capital. And uh, he is a constitutional attorney in his own right, and uh, he's with us on the phone. Larry, uh, welcome to the pro program. Thanks for having me on, Chris. It's great to be here. Well, thanks for taking time. And, well, of course, we want to thank you for your service uh, in time in the Ohio legislature and serving as Senate president. And, but I think this was one of your crowning achievements. And actually, you did this when you were uh, just a newbie at the Ohio State House. <laughs> and uh, you took, uh, was it Bill? Be whose seat was it that uh, came open? And then you it were was uh, Bob Gibbs. That's it, Bob Gibbs. That's right. Well, he was elected to Congress, and so uh, they appointed you. They made a wise choice. You were formerly a law clerk with Alice Batchelder, one of the federal conservative justices, and, of course, your own uh, schooling and education and constitutional studies uh, actually served us well in the Ohio General Assembly. In fact, you were one of the go-to people early on for uh, questions in the law, and then, of course, later on you would be leading the Senate body as well. Well, let's talk about the Founding American Documents curriculum, because I know that sure. you have a passion for this. And the bill that was actually passed is really a model curriculum, we think. Uh, in fact, when we tell people in other states what we have here in Ohio, they're very envious of our curriculum. Let's talk about that. Uh, sure. And uh, and this is a very important bill uh, to me personally. Uh, I, I think you know, Chris, this was the first uh, piece of legislation that I ever passed. Uh, in the state Senate and, and something that I've had to look out for uh, year after year uh, because I feel like uh, the, the hearing that you had yesterday is almost like the movie Groundhog Day. Um, that uh, It took about 10 years uh, before I, I joined the legislature, 10 years of legwork uh, to get the bill where it was. It, it took us about a year and a half to get it passed into law. And then since then, uh, we've just seen an active effort that I'll, I'll get into uh, in a few minutes uh, to uh, to try to undermine it and, and constant attempts to try to repeal it. But uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the very basics about what it does. It requires the high school uh, history curriculum and government curriculum in Ohio. And at an age-appropriate instruction level, uh, uh, the fourth grade uh, curriculum, when they cover Ohio history in fourth grade, uh, to... Um, expose children to the actual founding documents uh, of our country, uh, the, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Ohio Constitution, and the Northwest Ordinance. And instead of giving high school students the third-hand account from somebody else uh, talking about their analysis of it, 
uh, actually says, uh, you know, these aren't that long. You can pick them up and read the original documents and get a sense of what our history really is and how our government works and, uh, and what your rights are and, and who we are as a nation. And, and the reason that I jumped on board uh, when you came to me with this, uh, this idea uh, more than a decade ago was, was twofold. Uh, first, uh, the Fordham Institute at the time had looked at Ohio's history curriculum and, and compared it to curriculum around the, the country. And, and they found that we um, were getting essentially what they rated as a D um, for the curriculum itself, not, not for the performance, meaning that if you learned every single thing that you were required to learn by the curriculum, you would still graduate not really knowing that much. And at the time, there was a Newsweek um, survey that they did with about 100, I, I think it was 1,000 people who took a citizenship test. Uh, and 38% of them failed. Uh, only 35% of them knew what happened at the Constitutional Convention. Uh, only 6% knew the number of constitutional amendments. And, and only one in five people could name one power of the federal government. Um, and that includes things like laying, laying taxes, uh, regulating commerce, uh, coining money, declaring war, you know, pretty simple background stuff that everybody ought to know. Uh, so we looked at some of these things, and I think we were, we were jointly very concerned. Um, and, and frankly, uh, our, our children need to know these things. They need to know them because they have to understand history, and they should be learning the material anyway, but they also need to know it because if you want people to be able to participate in our system of government, they need to understand what the branches of government are. They need to understand what their rights are, how our government works. And if you want people to um, carry on the ethos of America, what really makes America great, um, people need to understand how the United States is different than almost every other country that came before, and, and specifically the Declaration of Independence. Um, set out almost a new vision of what the relationship between the citizens and the state should be, uh, where in so many other countries throughout world history, power came from the government, from the top down. And our founders rejected that notion wholesale and said, here we have liberty, here we have equality, here Power comes from the people. It comes from the ground up. And government gets only the ability to fulfill the responsibilities that we give to it, but that everything else is inherent in the people themselves. And I just don't think that people are learning that today. Mm. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org.
Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue we are talking with former Senate President Larry Oboff, and uh, he is a constitutional attorney. Uh, we are talking about the founding American documents curriculum, uh, Ohio's American government and American history standards from the 8th through the 12th grade, and with an end-of-course exam in each. We're going to talk about the importance of that. I'm going to read from the bill itself. This was Senate Bill 165, passed in the 129th General Assembly in 2012. It is important that high school students learn and understand United States history and the governments of both the United States and the state of Ohio. Therefore, beginning with students who enter the ninth grade for the first time on or after July 1, 2012, the study of American history and American government required by Divisions B-6 of this section shall include the study of all the following documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Northwest Ordinance, the Constitution of the United States with an emphasis on the Bill of Rights, the Ohio Constitution, the study of each of the documents prescribed in divisions of this section shall include the study that the documents in their original context, the study of American history and American government required by divisions of this section shall include the historical evidence of the role of the documents such as the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers to firmly establish the historical background leading to the establishment of the provisions of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. This was great legislation, folks. This is how it ought to be done and is done right here in Ohio. There's some people that don't want you to know that. That's why we're taking time on this radio program and have the uh, the legislation's original, original sponsor, Larry Oboff, to talk about it. Senator, we see so many things in the school, of course, when the federal government whether it's uh, Leave No Child Behind or Common Core, and before that it was outcome-based education. It's always something coming out of Washington as a federal mandate. States take money from the federal government for education and thereby are obligated to the uh, task as whatever the requirements are. Uh, but when we passed this, when Common Core was coming into Ohio and uh, trying to push out some of our history standards, what happened? Tell us about that. Well, this bill actually safeguarded against that because of the testing requirements that we have in the bill, um, which which require uh, that, that some questions in the American history exam uh, be about the founding documents and requires that a specific percentage, uh, I believe it was 20 percent uh, in, in the bill, uh, of the American government exam be about the documents. Uh, that meant that nationalized standards like that and nationalized testing made by big testing companies that are that are making pitches to the federal government or to large numbers of states uh, trying to trying to essentially standardize our education with Common Core and things like that. Um, they weren't able to do that in American history and government in Ohio because we had preemptively put into law that here in Ohio, we think it's important that you learn these documents. We think it's important that you understand these principles, and we're going to test you on those. So, um, at the same time that so many other areas uh, um, in in other parts of your studies here in Ohio and in other states across the country were 
were really moving in one direction uh, toward Common Core and and those types of things and and standardized tests um, th- that were being given all over the country. We were saying um, we believe these are the things that are important for you. We have our own standards here, and you're going to learn those. And so it, it actually saved uh, Ohio's history and government curriculum from uh, being melded in or taken over by by some of those other things. You know, some people would say, well, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a big difference. Folks, think about it for a minute. The the exceptionalism of the United States of America, before the creation of the Constitution, before the writing of the Declaration of Independence, all people were under a monarch, under some kind of tyrannical government. They didn't have the rights and privileges that we have as a representative republic. This was a new construct in America in, in world history. We're trying to safeguard that now 250 years later. And so that's what it means. That's the difference that it makes. Because as Ronald Reagan said, we're always just one generation away from losing it all. That's why we must be vanguards and vigilant of what's happening in the Ohio classroom. We are the ones who are watchmen right now. And I want to thank those of you that made calls and emails. In fact, Larry... Yesterday, the committee testified. One member said, I have received more calls and emails on this subject than any other so far this General Assembly. We were so glad to hear that because, you know, it's not a paid-for effort. We're a volunteer group. All of our folks are volunteer. We're a small nonprofit in that way. We don't have big resources financially, but we do have a lot of people who feel very passionately about these principles and these ideals of our nation. And they were willing to make the calls and send the emails and that's what really got the committee's attention. So it was a really fair exchange. Even though some of those members may not agree with us on committee, they may not even vote our way, we at least, they at least heard from their concerned citizens yesterday. But, of course, our ultimate goal is to, again, safeguard this curriculum. Last session, thankfully, uh, we were able to defeat it in the Senate. Once again, you were there. You were watching and, and said, no, that's not going to happen. And and for good reason. And so here they come again. Well, who are they? Well, they're the Liberal Teachers Union, quite honestly. Well, listen, they want to do away with this testing. Why? Because it's a stumbling stone to them. They have to teach it with the, with the testing guarantee. And so last year, in all fairness, folks, if you're listening, you're trying to understand what you're hearing from these committee members say, well, they're not doing away with the curriculum, cause, but understand this. Last year, the same bill, they wanted to do away with both tests. Then they couldn't do that, mm-hmm. so then they went back, well, let's do a combination of tests. Maybe we can get that past them. What are they trying to do? They're trying to tweak this in whatever way they can to start to bring down the whole curriculum standard. That's what it's all about. That's why we're being so adamant well, about it. Well, and I'll tell thoughts? you what, I'll... I'll... I'll walk you through some uh, some history of this bill, and 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 listeners will know um, the, the the kind of fights that we've had over the last ten years. When uh, when we passed this bill, uh, the president of the state board of education testified in favor of it. Uh, everybody in the legislature, or at least in the Senate, basically agreed that we needed more rigorous uh, standards. And in fact, the 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 pushback that we got. Uh, from some members of the Senate uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle was actually over whether or not to include more documents, uh, not whether or not to do these ones. And um, and, and so the bill becomes law. Uh, and then for years, 
uh, we had the education establishment try to water it down or or literally ignore it. So uh, the Department of Education was slow getting up and running because they dragged their feet for several years uh, because I believe that um, – Bureaucrats in the department had a different agenda than the legislature did, uh, and they wanted to follow their own policies instead of the law that was passed by the legislature. Uh, so you fast forward then uh, after those difficulties to uh, September 2017, and there was a school board meeting where they were proposing um, getting rid of, of the exams. And I sent my legislative aide at the time to, to, to remind them, this is the law. This is a statute. Uh, you can't change that. And as long as uh, as, as long as I was going to be Senate president, uh, the legislature wasn't going to change that. So please stop fighting this, stop wasting our time, and just make sure that kids read the Constitution. That shouldn't be that much to ask. Um, so then um, they proposed legislation multiple times uh, to get rid of the testing, and, and it's really just baffling to me. I understand that there are too many standardized tests, and, and I worked along with then-Senate President Keith Faber to scale back the number of standardized tests. Um, but as we discussed before, the problem that people were focused on when they started this, this movement towards scaling back on the tests was getting rid of Common Core and some of the more nationalized or, or, or grouping of states together uh, in our curriculum. And this actually works the exact opposite way. And, uh, and I feel like there are some people who don't understand that who are trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> well, that's right. And they've taken us from 17 tests down to seven. These are two of the seven. And what folks talked about yesterday is say, look, if we ought to be testing on anything, it's about these founding documents and American history. Our young people need to know this, especially when they see the push for socialism and Marxism and other isms that are pushing their way forward that want to be entered into the school curriculum. In fact, the 1619 Project, which is basically an opinion piece, they're starting to teach it in some school districts as history, as fact, and it's, it's an opinion piece. And so, in fact, the one group put it out to 4,500 classrooms across America. That's why, folks, safeguarding this curriculum for Ohio schools is so imperative at this time. Well, and Chris, there's never been a more critical time, I think, that people needed to read the Constitution, needed to understand their rights, needed to grasp the proper relationship between the citizens and the government, uh, because we've seen uh, so much uh, big government over the last year and a half, because we've seen so many ways in which our rights have been infringed on, which would have been unthinkable even a few years ago. And uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, let, let's talk briefly about some of the things that are going on at the State House uh, um, related to history. In November 2018, in November 2018, we became the first State House in the country to have a permanent display of our state's founding documents. By June of 2020, um, there was a public discussion about whether or not we ought to uh, get rid of Christopher Columbus's statue um, in the city of Columbus. Uh, and, and so that's how much the overall tenor uh, has changed on this and how quickly. And you mentioned earlier that, that we're only a generation away uh, from uh, any generation is only one generation away. I'd say in the last two years, we've moved pretty far in one direction. And um, the best way to guard against that in the future is to make sure that if you don't want people to grow up to be socialists, if you don't want them to grow up believing that power comes from the government 
and is distributed to the people, however government sees fit. The best way to do that is to educate them about why our country is different than all the countries that came before, um, why uh, they have rights that are protected, that are that are spelled out in the Constitution that can't be infringed on, um, and, and what the real functions of our government ought to be. You've worked you don't on teach that. those things. That's <laughs> right. You worked on those principles when you served in the Ohio Senate. You actually drew back on the overreach of the executive branch with uh, COVID uh, protocol or restrictions from the administration. The governor, maybe in his uh, zeal to protect Ohioans, uh, actually put a lot of draconian laws out there. You worked with your body to actually rein in the executive uh, branch in the sense that this ought to be vetted through the representative body of the Ohio House and Senate that represents the people to see what the people think concerning this. Your thoughts on that? That, that's right. And actually, today, I think, is the one-year anniversary of the lifting of the stay-at-home order. And that was something that the Senate um, pushed very hard to get and, and that we really um, we really put our foot down on uh, on exactly this day last year and, and, and got done. Uh, but, but after that, uh, we passed legislation to prevent uh, any state official from ever canceling an election or trying to move the election date again. Uh, we passed legislation ensuring that uh, you could not have a statewide or regional closure of churches and other houses of worship. Uh, we didn't do that in Ohio uh, initially, but there were a number of other states that did. So we were concerned about protecting people's constitutional rights. And, and we passed a bill, and, and Governor DeWine actually signed it uh, eventually um, in, in September, I believe, of last year, um, making sure uh, that that could never happen uh, in Ohio. I That's introduced right. a bill that the Senate passed twice uh, that did not make it through the House, but that uh, I believe will be reintroduced in the relatively near future uh, that, that would uh, keep uh, firearm stores open and declare that they're essential businesses. Uh, and, uh, and when alcohol sales were prohibited after 10 p.m., uh, Senator Bob Peterson and I introduced a bill uh, to, to lift that as well. And eventually uh, the, uh, the rule um, was uh, expired and, and, and not renewed. So, so we push back in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and, and I think that that's important. And I think that people need to understand that you have certain rights uh, that um, they are protected uh, and that government doesn't get to decide no matter how important the issue is, uh, no matter how critical uh, government might think something is, you don't just get to tread on those rights. You have to respect them. That's exactly right. And right now we're dealing with at the State House the drawing back on the, the teaching of the founding of American Documents curriculum. So we're fighting that, folks. We want you to make calls to the Ohio House Primary and Secondary Education Committee. All that information is on our website at ohioca.org or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. And, uh, Senator, I thank you for coming on the program today and thank you again for being the original sponsor of this and clarifying some things for our listeners today. And we're going we're gonna to hold the line. We're going to defend that uh, legislation and that curriculum in the classroom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Again, that was uh, former Senator Larry Oboff, the former Senate president and original sponsor of Senate Bill 165, the founding of American Documents curriculum. Thanks for listening. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be hearing uh, more on this subject right after these messages. And if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Stand by.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio. The following is a previously aired broadcast.